Hello listeners and welcome back to We're Eagles Deer, an Eagle Eye special where we are joined by none other than Conrad Lighton. Hello Conrad. Hey gents, how you doing? How's it going being an honorary Englishman? I don't think they've given me that title, honestly, and I don't know if I can claim it for, I don't know if I can claim it for myself either, frankly. How about a dishonorable Englishman? Oh yeah, great, fantastic. Listen, <laughs> lifting these pints, working on my bicep muscles, you know? <laughs> Enjoying these fish and chips of various kinds, all that stuff. We're very privileged and very happy to be joined by uh, Conrad today uh, on a rather special occasion, although not a happy one. We're marking the passing of Alan Grant, script writing great from not just to the worlds of 2000 AD and Eagle, but from a greater comic world. Grant was born in Bristol and uh, raised in Scotland, uh, very much an identity associated with him as one of Thug's script droids, of course, mm -hmm. uh, and passed um, earlier this week on the 20th of July. For myself, I woke to the news uh, from a message from Dave and was utterly taken uh, at broadside. The shadow of this man is, is vast and we just seem to be losing too many of these people of this regard lately. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it happened in, in midday for me. I think I saw, saw someone who had retweeted it and was sort of like, whoa, really? That's so that's that's awful, you know? I, I think for me it was the night before, but I just was heading to bed and it was like, oh, I will deal with that tomorrow. And the first thing I did was <laughs> ruin Peter's day. Uh, <laughs> but it's such a, a tough thing because I think for both our shows and the and, and the comics that we read that inspired them, uh, whether as part of of his partnership with uh, John Wagner or just on his own, Alan Grant's such a uh, su such a huge part of these comics because just just because they're so prolific. I know mm. in in 2000 AD and I believe Eagle's very similar. There's parts in the 80s where they're writing half the comic, if, if not more. Yeah, yeah. if yeah. not more, absolutely. I, th I think like three fifths is a pretty common like mid 80s ratio for 2000 AD. Yeah. Mm. You, you got to know the pseudonyms, but they're definitely there. Absolutely, yes, of course. All your Alvin Gaunts and TB Grovers <laughs> and whatever yeah. else, you know. Uh, and more to that, of course, these aren't page-filling twisted tales or future shocks or collector's tales. These are these are the big hitters. These are yes. the dreads, the strontium dogs, the doom lords. And on a slightly different note, the Joe Soaps and the Ace Truckings <laughs> and the early Robo Hunters. Where... You say that like they're not big hitters, Dave. <laughs> no, they're, they're, no, they're big hitters, but they're, they're the quirky stories that actually gave the comics a lot of character. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we, we talk a lot about how Mega City One is the main character and Judge Dredd and, and the Cursed Earth and with things like Hell Trekkers. You can see there is a Wagner-Grant symbiosis there, but you can see through lines and, and influences and things that go on to form a basis for their other work. And again, I have to admit, as a 40-year-old, rereading <laughs> these comics, it's the gems like, and I'm going to say Joe Soap, because I can look at that from an adult perspective and go, this just wasn't written for the kids. This was also for the dads reading the comic. And, you know, the humour in it works on more levels than you'd expect for... Dread beats up the Mekon or Mekon or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a subtlety to his work. Helltrekkers, I know you're a big Helltrekkers fan, Peter. You know, mm. the heartstrings get pulled in that. That's, and we jokingly talk about it, but that's girls' comic stuff where it's not all explosions and it's not all monster of the week from the 50s. 
Yeah. There's, there's a depth to his work, which I think is the reason we still have things like 2000 AD around today, and that we can go back to things like Eagle beyond simple nostalgia and read them and still enjoy them. Yeah, I, I think at the risk of formulating my own sort of theory and opinions on, on where the division of Wagner and Grant is, because I'm bound to be wrong on this. I've long associated um, Grant with the heart side of things, mm. with the uh, the empathetic side of things. Perhaps it's his association with the, the Anderson strip in 2000 AD, where yeah. you can sort of read Judge Anderson as a judge reacting against the world around her rather than looking to control it, um, which is the dread, dare I say, mm. Wagnerian style. <laughs> yeah, it's the difference between Johnny Alpha and Joseph Dredd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly there's, there's a lot of reaction in Strontium Dog as well. I mean, it, uh, one of Grant's big stories for Strontium Dog is Portrait of a Mutant, and, and that's a very, very personal story written on a big canvas. Returning briefly to Anderson, I think uh, what one of the things that Alan Grant should be credited for is essentially reinventing the character post the original Judge Death storyline and her limited um, appearance in Apocalypse War. Gone from that sort of the wisecracking Debbie Harry lookalike, a character with, with much deeper roots. And, and I, I would argue um, the template for the Anderson we saw in the Judge Dread movie. Mm. But you've recently covered that, Conrad. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I would definitely agree that I think you can sort of see in sort of that post-Oz um, period where Grant and Wagner sort of stop working together as much. You can sort of see the difference, I think, especially in, in the Alan Grant characters that sort of a move towards emotion or just mm. more more depth within within their character. I'm thinking of also sort of these, like the final outings of, uh, of uh, Johnny Alpha sort of in Final Solution and then absolutely with Anderson, both sort of towards the end of her initial run in 2000 AD, where we start learning about her backstory and like having more mm. emotional storylines and stuff. And then definitely into the magazine where you get like uh, Childhood's End and stuff like that, sure. you know, yeah, that sort of three part punch of like Shambhala and Groom and then uh, Childhood's End from 2000 AD to the magazine really serve to make Anderson not just a different character, but like, you know, kind of a character in general, I guess, like not just mm. sort of wisecracking and being sort of a foil to dread, but having her own trials and tribulations and um, her own demons. Yeah. Ex yeah. Literally. So in some cases, but it's just something to. <laughs> To hold on to for that character, you know, in a way, and yeah. giving her an inner life that I feel like a character like Dread I think can't have, and even other judge characters like like Giant or Hershey, so mm. can't really carry either. I think just in terms of like just what you're looking for for that character. I guess over in the world of Eagle, um, if if we look for sort of parallels, they're not so strong. But I would make the observation that Doomlord. Obviously, he's the title character, but he goes on a journey mm. in his in his strip. He's not just the dispenser of Noxian justice. He is molded by staying in a boarding house with the Zuster family. Yeah. It, it's not played completely straight, of course. He becomes a Coronation Street addict. <laughs> Why not? Uh, but the the humanity is discovered in the alien, and, and I think that's a big thread in the Doomlord story. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll see it develop in the stories coming up in Weary Eagles Deer, of course. 
with Mannix, it's a stranger challenge because we're dealing with what's supposed to be a, an impassive robot or an android. But of course, very early on in the strip, he's, he's a robot with doubts. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Shades of dread. <laughs> well, I, I, again, I remember when we covered the death of Katya, the response from listeners was, oh, I remember that. Oh, that was such a, that was a bit of a shock. <laughs> Yeah, and yet he uh, yeah, he's driven in that first story for um, um, meeting out Justice on Cameron, his uh, his first boss. Mm. He has these conflicts um, throughout the strip as well, not to the degree of Anderson, but you know we, we've got a little bit there. Yeah, no, but but again, you've you, on one hand you've got early Mannix killing his uh, you know associates, and, and on the other you've got early Mannix dealing with the uglies. The range is just <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> Well, you've got to credit the writer for that. Mm. And certainly um, the humour is a big thing in, in Grant's stories for me. Um, you referred to, to Hell Trekkers. Uh, there's humour in Hell Trekkers as well. There are, there are silly names. There are the usual sort of borderline simp um, characters. Well, absolutely, yeah. And I think even in like when we were covering it, Hell Trekkers specifically, I... My broadcast partner Fox and I were, were were kind of down on its grimness, but honestly, there's humor in the grimness of Hell Trekkers as well. You know, I'm thinking of like um, ejector seats that then land in lava or something like that. This kind of <laughs> the moody ending of a little crab girl that's lost in the wilderness forever or something like that. Like these are these are tragedies, but they are indeed silly tragedies as well. You know? Yeah. Well, again, in Eagle, you have that, I suppose, with House of Damon and you know, Strike Me With a Pickle and stuff like mm. that. <laughs> Little imps that are quite endearing until they try and eat you and things like that. So there's a, there's a light shade to Grant, which I appreciate. Even the darkness um, in his stories, I think, um, has maybe not a light edge, but it has... has a, a subtle touch? Yeah, it has an element of hope. So even in the darker stories, there's an aspect of light. And I'm thinking particularly of, of how Grant ended the Strontium Dog story and the story of Johnny Alpha. It's a sacrifice. I think the last line is um, Middenface saying, come on, let's go and get drunk. Um, it's a really <laughs> downbeat ending. But there's a sense of continuation there. And maybe we discreetly draw a veil over what followed. But for one of those big moments of 2000 AD, and that's got to be one of the biggies. There's an element of humanity there, which I think we can, we can see. It's not the machine crushing a hero. Uh, there's life, and that life will, will continue. Whoa, that mm -hmm. was a little bit deeper than I wanted to go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's good parts of it. Like I, th I think it's a, it just goes without saying that always Alan Grant's someone who... I think you look for when you're reading when you're reading these British comics, you know, and I think also in other comics where his shadow is important, but but maybe it it falls a bit lighter than it does in you know in our Eagles in 2000 ADs and stuff where you sort of expect Alan Grant to show up every once in a while. For me, it's always something where knowing that he's working on a story makes me sit up and pay attention, you know. Mark, of course. Yeah, I mean, especially. While a lot of times it is like because he's works on on the franchise I like you know on your Strontium Dogs and your uh, and your Judge Anderson and stuff it means that I know stories that are sort of on the on the horizon for for Space Spinner for instance stuff like Maze World or something like that 
are these mm-hmm. stories that I don't really even know that much about, but it's got a pedigree that means that, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to look for it, you know, and I think in general, I think that's what's important is just that Alan Grant's written so many amazing stories over these years, stories that have not just entertained us, but inspired us and inspired, honestly, I think if you read comics these days, a lot of creators that um, mm. you read as well, you know, if any British creator who grew up reading 2000 AD is naturally, you know, because of that inspired by Alan Grant, right? Like even if mm. not, ex- if, they, if they don't explicitly say so, Grant's responsible for all these stories, you know? <laughs> It again just casts a long shadow over over this industry and especially over the section that our shows are looking at, this sort of British comics world. Just being the writer of Doom Lord and Dread at the same time. Like imagine that. Mm. These two big comics, and there's two characters that are sort of the headline in every issue characters for them, and they're both written by, you know, Grant Wagner here. And just to sort of be in control of like, you know, the publishing company in this way, basically, because you're making these characters, I think is really amazing and a real and a real testament to, you know, to, to Grant's talent, his ability to create characters and then tell stories of those characters in this funny, compact, episodic way that is so essential to to Eagle, say, that makes it different than any other comics I've read, you know, just in the here's a story in three pages that will mm. get you on board, get you interested in the story and leave you wanting more in a way that is just unique for this genre, for this part of the world that these stories come from, you know? Mm. Yeah, I, I guess by comparison, when you talk about Alan Grant's work in the U.S., pr- primarily for DC, but also mm-hmm. including um, some work with Marvel. His most recognized work is is in Batman, which of course is a, is a character who, who shares so many writers and so many artists yeah. that it doesn't have that same ownership that Dread has or that Doom Lord has to a particular one or very small number of writers. So my understanding is that in the US, Denny O'Neill picked up Alan Grant for the Batman strip and that Batman had actually been one of his early favorite characters. And just to sort of complete the roster uh, we can credit him for creating the ventriloquist the original rat catcher not the one from suicide squad 2 um but her dad victor zaz and the, the teen sort of anti-hero anarchy and he also um with those characters contributed to the big nightfall epic series for batman bane breaks batman's back right. uh, and he wrote for lobo as well among other things i tested things out on a recent reddit just to sort of see whether grant's passing had been observed in that world not so much um but when you start mentioning those characters the responses would be oh yeah alan grant oh he's great yeah i yeah. used to what you read him in 2000 ad and so that link is there uh, i think it's it's just trickling out i think just because he's, it's not one of the household name writers i guess for batman yeah yeah he's, he's not denny o'neill <laughs> right <laughs> bob kane but like you know as we're recording this and as his passing was announced, San Diego Comic-Con's coming up and they had a big um, at the mm. DC panel that um, opened with like a standing ovation for his, for his memory and stuff that I thought was really nice. Um, oh, wonderful. I think it's just kind of trickling down basically sort of through the comic book media and stuff like that. In America, Grant's less of a household name, but I think you're right. That's once you sort of connect 
what he's done to things then it becomes more of a thing at least this feels better than i don't know some other 2000 ad deaths that i've sadly experienced where no one really seems to know who the who the creator is which is always a real bummer you know Mm. Another big contribution of Grant's, of course, to the world of comics <laughs> at large is that um, uh, the story goes that uh, he retrieved a, a script off the uncommissioned pile from a, a young Alan Moore and essentially set him on his, on his uh, career. <laughs> I, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, we, he was sub-editor for a while, Alan yeah. One. Yeah, A.A. Alan One, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, according to Moore, he got a really nice letter back from Alan Grant, and that set them on their path. Crikey. Yeah. Those Alan's got to stick together, though. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I'd observe back in the worlds of 2018 Eagle uh, about Alan Grant is, is the imagination. We have spoken a bit about his work with uh, character, but I've appreciated his, the scope of his fantastic imagination. When I think of Judge Anderson, absolutely Engram, Shambhala, and Childhood's End, but also um, The Possessed, mm. which I absolutely adored. Uh, a lot of it was down to Brett Ewins's and uh, Jim McCarthy artwork, but sure. but also the, the wit and the storyline there. And, and the same element of that fantastic and the grim fantastic, of course, Dave, is in House of Damon mm-hmm. and is in the 13th floor in Scream. Perfectly matched. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, so much of Grant's work yeah, is, just, is just refining these characters, you know, especially, I think, again, just sort of talking about, about British comics in general, I guess. I think it's really interesting just how these characters develop and if they develop at all, you know, I could see it being easy to just kind of, again, because of the limited space and stuff, you just never really develop, you know, a character just becomes their catchphrases and certain acts of, you know, of action or something like that and you don't really sort of get an get an inner life for them but i think that you know again just going back to anderson for 2000 ad and i I think actually yeah for like for doom lord and other guys for eagle that chance to make these characters deeper and to think about why they're doing what they're doing and why, why they might change allegiances or do something differently than they than the character was originally doing is is really interesting and something that is a marker for for grant's work yeah his body of work will live on. Uh, he, he has an immortality of sorts. Can I ask you guys, in terms of your your favourite Alan Grant stories, Eagle or otherwise, as is traditional with our podcasts, what's your best? I think for me, one of each. Anderson is the uh, is the character that resonates with me um, from 2000 AD. Yeah, I know I'm a I'm a Helltricker fan, but Anderson lived for a lot <laughs> longer in the pages. <laughs> Helltricker was. Deliberately built with a shelf life, and from Eagle, it's it's Doom Lord. I, th- I think Doom Lord's a, a fascinating character, um, character bound by duty, but um, constantly looking for ways around it to find the you know the the humanity in his role. And if I might be cheeky, and at the po- at risk of poaching things from you, Dave, Thirteenth um, Floor from Scream, I think it's consistently mm-hmm. in my top two <laughs> uh, stories. Every episode of Where Eagles Dear, I just. It's just a perfect blend of black humour and thrilling adventure. And um, that, I think, is um, is Alan Grant for me. And, and you, Conrad? Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm going to bring a third podcast into the mix here because mm. I've covered a couple or have or am about to cover a couple Alan Grant of my favorite Alan Grant stories on the Mega City Book Club podcast as well. 
And I'll happily say those are also some of my favorite Alan Grant stories. Um, the Strontium Dog story of Rage and sort of the Max Bubba story yes. before that as well. The story of a futuristic mutant bounty hunter, Johnny Alpha, befriending a Viking from Viking times, having that friend be killed by a uh, evil outlaw, and then Alpha going on a, on a quest for revenge is really one of the best 2080 stories ever, I think. And it's a really great example of both the, the, the bright and the darkness of Grant's writing. I think, I think, you know, he was teamed up with, with John Wagner still for that one, but I think you see a lot of sort of grim darkness and Johnny's friend Wolf dying and, and that pain. But there's also moments of levity of, of, of humor and, um, and joking around in that, in that quest as well, that I think can't be underestimated. And then, I'd also say um, just the Judge Anderson story. Um, I mean, a lot of those later, and like, like I just mentioned, um, Shambhala and Grimm, but uh, Childhood's End actually is one that I've just covered recently on my uh, on our Big Meg one and the, the Judge Dredd magazine show. And that story has some interesting elements. I like conspiracy stuff and ancient aliens, etc. But also just, um, you know, the culmination of a multi-year storyline that that Grant had arch has architected, I think, just of Anderson questioning the nature of the just of the Justice Department of Mega City One, you know, and sort of of her losing faith in this edifice that had been such a key part of her life, and eventually deciding to turn in her badge and gun and go to adventure in the spaceways, which I think is a really interesting end to that story, and I think one that. Grant had with a couple different artists had been working on in, in the comics for years. And, you know, yeah, I just think he's such a great writer and the writing something I've always focused on in how I recap and tell the stories of these comics. And I'm just, yeah. I'm sad. We've lost a lot just in, in his passing, I think. Agreed. Dave, did you have any particular favorites? Eagle has to be Joe Soap. Mm. Nice. I remember we got to Joe Soap and it was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> why are they? Why? 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 Why is it so awesome? Why can I relate to this this sad sex so much? So and and yeah, it, it just boys adventure comic, Joe Soap, and and from two thousand AD. I, I'm going to go a bit old school here. Harry Twenty on the High Rock. Ooh yes, because I can remember that from when I was very very young for various various reasons. And it was a great example of it's an action daring do science fiction prison break mashup. Well, mentioned that, but it's sorry. I just, I, I just want to stop because it's for Harry Twin and the High Rock. That that's Alan Grant sort of editing Jerry Finley Day in the course of that one. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh well, I'm going to say it's Harry Twin on the High Rock anyway Fine. because it's great. I think I think it's um, I think it's balanced out by the fact that he's working with Alan Davis. So the Alan quotient is um, so is many Alans. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Alan's got to stick together. It's also an example then of the effect of the collaborative nature of British comics at this time. And he was working with Jerry Finley Day. His work with John Wagner is the reason 2000 AD is still a going concern today. Mm. Yeah, I, I'd pick that just because. That's one of the stories that caught me as a kid. And contrast that with Joe Soap, which is a story I only ever really appreciated as an adult. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. 
But how about you guys out there in the digital world? Hello, I'm speaking to you, dear listener. <laughs> What's your favourite Alan Grant story? What's your favourite Alan Grant memory? I know we're a bit iffy on social media sometimes, but post us what you reckon. Yeah, come on, mm. you guys. Interact. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'd love to hear from you if, you, um, if you'd like to get in touch with us. Um, we are, of course, still active on our Facebook page. Um, we're also available on Twitter at SoForgetting. And you can write to us through the medium of Gmail, SoForgetting at gmail.com. We might even check it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Until then, thank you very much for joining us, Conrad. It's been a lovely conversation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, fantastic. You guys reached out to me early on and or soon after the news came out and it was very much one that I was very happy to talk about. Um, it's a sad time for us, but I think it can also be a joyful time just to kind of talk about, to, to remember this artist and and his body of work, you know. Mm, and his legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. So to Ellen and to everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you again. Ted, good, buddy. <laughs> Indeed. Good night. Good night. Good night.